Pulls up the three. Boom! Knocks it down. Curry from the corner at three. Puts it in. For overtime. Makes it. Garrett. Hello from me, Mark Woods. Welcome to the MVP cast. Thank you so much for joining us again for this edition of the podcast. First, a plug for our newsletter at the post stop. Lots of interviews, insights direct into your inbox. If you want to subscribe, head to the website mvp247.com, click on newsletter, and it will pop up magically in your email. Now, our guest, brilliant guest this week. He is a man with a plan. We'll come to that in a moment. He's also one of the best guards in this league, a GB international, who's been a big part in the success of a team heading to this weekend's cup final in Birmingham. He is the Manchester Giants, Josh Steele. Welcome to the MVP cast, Josh. Thank you for having me. That was a great intro. Thanks. <laughs> um, before we actually get into to anything to do with play, let's go back two weeks. Um, your new role is a social media YouTube sensation. I know it's not an overnight rule because it's been there for a while, but you posted this video and everyone's seen it. People have talked about it entitled Fixing British Basketball in Eight Minutes. If you haven't seen it, search for Josh Steele on YouTube or Twitter as I am Jay Steele. Um, it, it's lots of your thoughts of what's what needs to be done with British basketball. Harry, we might go about it. Um, why? Why this video? Um, I mean... Play, being a player in this league, like I say in the video, like there's also there's things that I'm sure if you've been around the league or you're a fan of the league or been a player that you're kind of aware of the problems. But I don't know. I feel like there's just it's usually just mumbles and grumbles and people kind of like just complain. And I mean, again, I, like I've mentioned, I don't really like just complaining and not really having a solution. So these are things that I talk about with my friends all the time, to be honest, like. And, you know, not to get it twisted, it's a much more complicated issue than an eight, you know, than I managed to make in an eight minute video. There's obviously lots of other things to talk about and lots of other things that just don't get mentioned. But there were just a few things that I thought, you know, that everybody that's involved, as they can help, they will, you know, be able to do. And then it's, you know, the, the league might be in a better place for then than if nobody just did everything, everyone's just still moaning about it. When you guys talk, I mean, you talk as players, it's, you know, how much of, I mean, obviously we talk about games or you might, you know, trash talk a little bit, but, you know, it, how much of that chatter is about the game, particularly as British players, because you've got a vested interest in this. Yeah, no, exactly. So, I mean, like, um, your last, your guest last week, Joe Hart. So, Joe Hart's an example. Me and him are good friends. We work out a lot in the summer together, so... It's just it's stuff we talk about, you know. We want we want we all want to see the league do well because, like you said, we have invested interest. Every other, you know, something that's honestly annoys me quite a bit when you know have been having played um, in Spain and you know known other people who played in other leagues. Players from other countries are quite, you know, they're able to just go to college and maybe not even go to college and you know just be quite comfortable playing in their home country. Whereas I feel like that's not really as much of a viable option for Brits at the moment. And it's something that, like, like I said, me and other um, players that I'm close with and other Brits that I'm close with that, you know, we'd love to see happen one day. You, you go through a number of points. Let's take a few of them sort of one by one. I mean, you, you talked about sort of money and specifically, obviously, comes off the back of the investment from 777 into the league. Lots of players have, have been online talking about, well, are we going to see some of this money? 
but you've kind of gone down the other road in terms of accepting that in the short term at least that investment could be spent on building up the league so then in turn money flows back to the players yeah yeah i feel like that's just it it makes sense more long term that way like uh We've had some clubs in the past that, and for first of all, the league doesn't determine a player's salary. That's that's all completely down to the clubs. But if the club essentially generate, if the league sorry generates more revenue and clubs generate more revenue through other avenues instead of just I don't know asking for handouts and stuff, then it's more long term and it can be more sustainable. And like I said in the video, I feel like if pay, the players are just paid more money, you know, players aren't they're not. The long, they're not the longevity of the league. That might do me and you know some of my peers well for the next few years, but you know what about like future generations and stuff? Like we want them to be able to have a be able to play in the league and receive a, a decent salary as well one day. How much of that of the players that you're talking to? What do you think the breakdown is of players who think who, who agree with that view, and the players who are going, yeah, come on, show us the money now. I mean, I honestly couldn't tell you. It's this is this is uh, something that I've. It was my initial thought, like when when I see it, because I can completely understand. Like I said in the video, like I would love to be paid more. It's something I, if I wish it would happen now, it would. But I'm younger and maybe can afford to be a bit more patient than others and, and things like that. So maybe that's just where my outlook comes from. But um, yeah, <laughs> you go on then to talk about content. And also player content. And yeah, people that follow me on Twitter will know that I've bound on about this for a while, having a more of a, a narrative. But you've just kind of taken a step further and obviously done it yourself with, with players getting involved. What do you think the benefit of that is to the game? Obviously, to, and, the, and the individuals on top of that is part of it. But you know, yeah. for, the, for the league, where do you see that that will contribute to this growth if players get involved in being content providers well i feel like number one players should do it for themselves more than anything like you have an opportunity where i feel like where more so than ever in your life you'll have you'll have people who are you know fans of you or follow you for no other reason than the fact that you're a basketball player and you know you do i feel like you're doing yourself a bit of an a disservice if you don't capitalize that on as much as you can so first of all i think it's you know for your for your own benefit as a player if you want to be able to if you want brands to reach out to you and potentially make some money off the court it makes i feel feel like eventually make that side of life a little bit easier for you whether that's a small following or whether you're able to amass a following as big as Obi soko one day you see the opportunities that he's able to to reach out to we want i feel like we want that for everybody. We don't want every British basketball player to have to go on Love Island to do that. Do you know what I mean? So from that, I feel like that's from the individual standpoint. And in turn, I feel like that's just more eyes on the league. If there are more like characters and personalities and people that can get involved with, they may not, the average person may not even enjoy basketball that much or know that much about basketball, but they'll be able to get more into it if there's a person in the game that they like because they share the same interests or think a similar way or just enjoy their content. Where did your initial kind of thought of let me get involved in YouTube, you know, where did that come from? Uh, well, like most people's inspiration these days, just being locked up in inside. <laughs> I kind of, yeah, from, from, you know, the pandemic, I kind of sat down and figured to myself that, like, 
you know, I wasn't playing basketball and I had a look at myself. I was just like, well, what else have you got going on? Like the basketball will stop bouncing one day. And, you know, I hadn't really figured out what I would want to do if I ever stepped away from it. But I thought I need, uh, you know, I'm at an age, I'm going, I was going into my fourth year professionally. I was like, well, I need to start making some steps in that direction. And I felt like in everywhere I looked and all the things that I wanted to do potentially, like the best advice that people give you is usually like developing your own brand, developing your own brand. So things become can become a quite, like a lot easier. Whatever I decide to do in the future after will be a lot easier for me if you know I'm recognized if I'm recognized for more than just how many points per game I scored once upon a time. Whose content do you like, or who, is there anyone you thought, yeah, but if 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 I had unlimited resources, probably in some cases, but you know that that that's what I want to get to. Uh, yeah, I, I have a few inspirations that like I spend a lot of time on YouTube. This is all probably why I picked YouTube for years and years. I've spent an ungodly amount um, on that platform and seen a lot of creators that I like to take inspiration from. Um, but yeah, if I had an unlimited amount of resources, honestly, what I'd love to do is just have a studio and just paint it all green so I could just like use unlimited green screen have a group of friends talk have a sort of chilled laid-back podcast and just you know have fun with uh, the edits and stuff that i'm able to do in a studio like that maybe you just need to paint a wall green yeah 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 exactly level enough i have a small green screen that i can take with me everywhere at the moment but uh if i'm i get somewhere that i could just paint uh, a wall without getting in trouble that's definitely the next step <laughs> um i mean you talked about more brits wanting to play at home but a lot of that is you know, to do with the environment. Some of it's salary, but some of it's to do with the mm. environment. You're one of the Brits that have come back and you've been away and come yeah. back. Where are we at in terms of this this being an attractive league? Well, I think the investment, if we're, if we're looking forward, that should uh, you know, hopefully uh, spike up some antennas and think people think that, ah, oh, you know, people are finally putting money into this league. If things keep trending upwards, this could be um, a good place to, you know, at least, I don't know, put some roots down for the next few years. And you can like, especially if you're young, I felt like, you know, in a perfect world, potentially, if I were to stay here a few years, I can still always leave. But the good thing is I would at least have some, you know, like I said, some roots back home. So I think, you know, that should be... um that should be appetizing to players to, when they're when they're looking at the situation. But um, the other thing that kind of persuaded persuaded me or made it attractive was just the whole fact of um, you know Brexit and now that our passports have changed, that was another big thing for me. Just from being where I was in my career and Brexit happening, I wanted to uh, essentially change markets. And with our passports not being as valuable, it made it much more difficult for me to change markets. So from going from Spain, for me wanting to go to say Germany or France, I'd have to start at the bottom again. And I personally, I weighed my options. I was like, well, I can get some roots down, work towards something. And, you know, again, I have the opportunity to play with my childhood coach or, you know, start at the bottom again in another country. And this one seemed to make more sense. Like you said, again, with being comfortable and all those other things, it felt like it had a bit more balance. Obviously, there's money. Money makes the world go round. But there's also quality yeah. of play. There's ambition. There's that satisfaction section, faction you get from being better. When you're balancing those two things up, when you generally, obviously, when you get to the summertime, mm. what's the equation or the algorithm like for you in terms of weighing up 
yeah, there's a comfort level from playing in this country, but you want to get better as a player. You want to be paid more, yeah. but there's also that comfort level and you're growing the game. Yeah. Where, where's that algorithm set for you? I mean, that that, that sort of was a big part of my decision. I'm always, basketball is the first and foremost when it comes to all my decisions. And that's a big part of why I came to Manchester. I'm, um, you know, a big fan of Lloyd Gardner. Like he's a long-time coach of mine. He's um, a big reason for a lot of my development uh, from as a young basketball player. So for me, that's where I felt like, you know, my development was kind of safe in his hands. And I go, and that's understandable. That's not uh, not everyone's going to be able to have that when they come home. But um, most of most of the development is done during the summer. To be honest, like you ask a lot of pros, like you don't really develop your game a whole lot during the year because you're you're focusing on the team and playing so much just that just so most of the, for me most of the development would be just the work you put out in the summer you spoke as well on your youtube about the overall marketing of the bbl and there's mm. a couple of parts that which i completely agreed with one was the bbl player i think everyone's had a issue with it at some point about how the fact that it's key motion cameras, which people, if you don't know, is, is automated cameras. It's, it's very clever tech, but you know, if you're on a fast break and it's from one end of the court to another, it might not get there in time. And yeah. it doesn't look great. And then obviously this other idea you, you know, about, you talked about the cup final and your father might not understand what a cup final is. And the fact that you've got these confusing four competitions and they all seem slightly the same and how do you differentiate between those? We're... We're kind of coming up to a point now where the marketing of this league is going to overcome or undergo a real significant revamp under new investment. Mm -hmm. As a player, let's start with the the online streaming presence. As a, as, a, as someone who likes basketball and if you watch a lot of basketball, what would you want to see? Well, one club that does a really good job at the moment is Bristol. I don't know how many of their uh, of their broadcasts that you've watched, but if that they, would be they to lead me. The way. They are the best in the yeah, best I think I think I think that's that's the blueprint, you know. I think there needs to be multiple cameras, wipes, and if it's you know, it needs to look similar to when at least when it's on Sky Sports with replays and stuff like that. And I think if Bristol's able to do it with, you know, have, you know, with, with students and, and, and their budget, like not the budget that, that I'm sure the entire league has, it's one club, I think that's definitely the direction I would love to see the BBL player go. And what about the, the competitions idea? Because you know, Spain has kind of three, in, depending on mm -hmm. what you're playing in. But, you know, as players, you guys are in a cup final. It's a big day out. It's been a big occasion. Um, but does it does it feel like, you know, it's differentiated enough? Because you've got, next week you'll be you know, in the trophy, and next week you'll be in the league and all that. I mean, does, you know, does it feel like it stands out enough? Yeah, and... As players, it's hard, I think, naturally, and I'm not really sure how to overcome it other than more teams. But for the first half of the season, we didn't. We played the same three teams, what it felt like, for two two months or so. So it all kind of just ended up blending into one. I, yeah, I swear we've already we've already played all six games against Cheshire, um, you know, and five against Sheffield, and you know more, you know, same same with Glasgow. So. It all is naturally all going to blend into one, and I think again maybe the solution is. I'm not sure I have a solution, but it, there certainly isn't anything in in place at the moment to help differentiate it. It's usually just another game and a small bit of text on saying it's the trophy. I think uh, there needs to be maybe something more to put in a line in the sand between each one. You know what I'm saying? Like and give them more significance, like you said. 
I know there's a part two to this coming up from this 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 project, but what's what have you taken from the reaction to the video? Honestly, I'm overwhelmed. I um I've had a feeling. I've spoke to a few people before I posted the video, and I was like. I felt like this video would get more traction than usual just because of the nature of it. Like, people love to complain and it's British basketball. I feel like those two things kind of go hand in hand sometimes. So I felt like it would gain a little bit of traction, but um, I was absolutely overwhelmed with uh, the positive responses I got. Um, being a small YouTuber, you said in your intro, you, uh, you sensation. I don't know about that yet, but um, <laughs> yeah, it felt really good to get a lot of positive feedback on a video you work hard on, obviously. Um, and just to hear that, you know, some people felt like I was talking some sense. Um, yeah, that was nice to hear. What else is coming? What are we going to see down the track? You must, you must have like a plan now, right? Yeah, for sure. I mean, with, when it comes to YouTube, like I'm always vlogging and, uh, yeah, I already have some vlogs up at the moment of just me being with the team and, uh, you know, being a professional basketball player, trying to give some people some, a little bit of insight of what it's like you know, to be a giant, um, or be me, you're up more, more, more specifically. Um, and then, you know, interview some of my teammates cause I have the unique opportunity, not just, you know, to be able to speak to other pros and get some of their experiences and try and just, um, I guess, cause not everybody's lucky enough to get, to have, uh, to have pros. I'm lucky enough to have had been around pros my whole life for longer than most. And, um, got advice from them not every young young person going into college or coming out of college has that so if there's a place for them to go on youtube where they can maybe hear someone else's someone's perspective who's living currently living living through that you know that would uh, that would mean a lot to me what, what we need really is dan clark dancing videos we do need Dan Clark dancing videos. Let's see if I can persuade Dan. If we win the if we win the the cup finals, I can guarantee I can do some Dan Clark dancing videos. <laughs> that's that's the world is waiting for. Um, yeah, yeah, let's more. let's talk hoops and hoops journey a little bit more. Um, I mean, you 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 had this for, great fortune to to play internationally at every single level, whether it's your juniors with England and then into GB and U twenty and 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 seniors, etc. What? Well, how has that shaped the way that you've played? What I mean, I suppose specifically, how does that contribute to you improving or developing as a player? I mean, I think it's given me like uh, a lot of good values. Um, I've had the benefit of being with you know, actually, to, to, to think about, I've had Andreas Andreas Kapulas, uh, pretty much. He was he's coached me at all of those levels mm. except the senior level. Um, and he did a really good job installing, you know, values. Alan Keane as well, um, installing values like um, I don't know, team values and just the importance of they're kind of they're kind of uh, creating winning environments. That's the kind of president they always tried to set. So I don't know, being in a national team situation through the whole of my life, I think it's you know helped in my professionalism. Um, and yeah, me, I'm just always trying to get better daily anyway i don't think it would matter whether i was on the national team or not i don't really uh, tie that too much to my identity if you know what i mean i just want to be the best that i can be I mean, it's been a couple of years since you you were in the senior squad um what was that experience like because you, you, obviously coming in you're a younger player you get your chance but you're, you're not getting huge amounts of game time is that a positive for you in terms of yes i'm involved or is it tough because you're playing limited minutes I think both because when you're when I'm I'm a competitive person and I work hard, so I always want to be given more opportunity uh, to be able to prove like I'm at the table. Let me prove that I'm I'm you know why I should be here. 
but um, it's also I, I understand it. So I'm just happy to be involved and be able to soak up like knowledge from players who've been doing it much longer than me. Uh, you know, for much, you know, just you know, got way more, way uh, bigger wealth of experience, and be able to make some friends. You know, from those guys like, you know. There's, I've met people I necessarily wouldn't have been able to meet before, shared the court with people I necessarily wouldn't have had the chance to share the court with. So just grateful for the whole, the entire experience, really. You've obviously not been as quite as involved since since Nate Rankin took over as, as, as head coach and selecting the team. Um, do you, How do you get back in there? I mean, is there a hope that the way you're playing this season gets you back in that, that conversation, particularly before Eurobasket next summer? Oh, for sure. It would definitely be, you know, I would be more than honoured to be back uh, in the programme, but I'm not in any rush. I think uh, when my time, when it's my time, it's my time. Uh, again, I just try and focus on me being better every day, the, having success with my team here currently, and when my number's called, like, I'll be ready. When you went coming up as a junior and you went to Duquesne, great university, but you spent two years there and then decided to turn pro what shaped that particular decision? Because it's, you know, it's, it, it's a good situation from the outside. Most people would think, yeah, stay four years. Love the dream, love the American dream. Why two years for you? Um, it's maybe maybe a cautionary tale and something I definitely will do a video on separately. But um, I don't think I picked my college all too well, to be honest. I don't. I didn't really do enough research into the coach and the coaching style and the situation. I kind of went for the name and the, you know, the, I guess the what conference the school was in more than anything. And you know, at the end of the day, like when the time came for me deciding to leave, I just didn't really feel like I had the support of you know the coaching staff. Considering when in, when it came to when it came to certain things considering I'm so far away from home and being a foreigner, you know, along with not really enjoying the basketball there, I just felt like I needed a change. I was, wasn't was really dead set on when I left that I was going to go pro. It took some time. I came home because it was during January. I, I really just wanted to get out. So it was during January and the transfer window's not, the you know, I wasn't just going to rush into another school after, like I said, making such a, what I felt it was an ill-informed decision. But, um, Lloyd got me in touch with an agent. We ended up speaking um, on and off. And then eventually I kind of just came to the conclusion like, you know, I have an opportunity to go and do what I've always dreamed of doing. I didn't really feel like going back to college and, you know, not wasting my time, but I have a chance to do something that I've always wanted to do my whole life. Why wouldn't I seize, seize the opportunity with two hands? If you had to do it again, would you? How would you go about that process? I mean, the the research process and the choosing process. What what's the kind of lessons that you would share with someone else? Uh, I think the biggest thing is go where you're wanted um, and and needed. Um, yeah, like I've had I had schools that were interested in me for a much longer period of time than Duquesne, but you know I looked the other way or didn't end up going to them for whatever reason that I can't remember now. Um, and chose a school which was in a bit, which was in a bigger, more respected conference, just because they showed me some attention and that I wasn't necessarily needed there. Um, yeah, going to college, it's it's it can be hit and miss, but if you go somewhere where you're needed, you're guaranteed that you're going to play there at least and be an important part of the team. And come if you have aspirations to be a pro, the most important thing is you know having a good college career. So 
I think, yeah, it, you never know what's, what's, what someone's like, to, uh, what someone's going to be like until you get there. Um, yeah, but I think you want to go where you're needed, most importantly. When you came back, I mean, the, the first place really that you played was Surrey. Um, and just as a sort of compare of con and contrast, how did you find that that movement between playing college and, you know, obviously not playing significant minutes, but you know, getting the competition there and the style of it all to coming into the BBL and to a club mm. like Surrey, you know, you know, different environment. How does that transition really sit when, when you do it in practice? Well, for me, I think it was just difficult because I, I felt like I lost a lot of confidence when I, um, when I first came back from college. You know, I didn't. I wasn't really playing. My minutes were all stew with. Like I remember multiple games where I would come in, you know, hit a three and just get pulled right out again. And you know, you're you're sitting, looking down the end of the bench, just like, you know, what do I need to do to get in? You're working hard, but you know, minutes never really seem to translate. And I think it sapped a lot of confidence from me. So that first year, especially, was really just spent on me trying to get find my footing again. You know, it wasn't. I wasn't really. Uh, I don't even know if I could say. I could compare the two experiences side by side because I don't feel like I had enough experience on in college to do, to be able to do that. And I was, you know, way too in my head trying to, you know, find my footing again. What was the most important factor in regaining that confidence? Um, you know, shout out to coach Creon. Honestly, he didn't put any pressure on me. I was able to just go out there and play. Um, I got, you know, I got to play behind Alex Awumi. So, you know, I would, I, wasn't required to do like you know come up with big games or you know they, like I said there was nothing asked of me just I just needed to go out there and play hard and that's you know that helped me tremendously. With going on to Spain then you go for three years to LEB which is the the, the league or the two divisions below the the, the ACB in Spain and mm -hmm. yeah that's a great place to go and play first and foremost because you know the system's good and it's such a basketball culture and. Um, what did you take from from being there in a country that really, really loves its basketball? What did I take? Um, again, I don't mean to sound cliche, but just the whole experience being able to play in another in another country was amazing in itself. Being able to meet people, have the opportunity to try it and learn another language. I never got a hundred percent fluent in Spanish, like very very uh rusty very rusty but i was able to get through the day you know i could go and do my shopping and go order at a restaurant and stuff like that i would say more more than the basketball it was all the all the off-court stuff that that was able to bring me i think that brought me uh much, that was much more rewarding for me did you i mean we talked about basketball education and development and it, you know again different styles in spain but how much of it there was sort of teaching because you know, you're there to win games, you're a professional one, but how much did you get mm. taught new things, new ideas, new new ways to strengthen your game? Yeah. I, I, okay, so I would say I'm probably unique in this. I'm very privileged to like have uh, be coached by Luis Gil, who's an assistant coach at the Spanish national team back in Barking. Mm. So it wasn't like a lot of these concepts were necessarily new to me. I could, I had, I had at least heard of them before, you know, from, from Luis and even Alberto when he was with GB. But, um, yeah, they do do a lot of teaching out there. Like there's a lot of focus on individuals, especially when I was in, when I was in Leb Gold, um, we would have a lot, we would have two a days and 
at least during the week, at least two or three of those sessions would, you know, be individuals, be individuals based. And I think that's much more than there is uh, in the BBL as a whole. So I think, yeah, they focus a lot on, on the teaching aspect of the game and technique. When you've taken these different career decisions, you know, still at a pretty young age here, how does that alter your thought process about developing your career? I mean, possibly from a business point of view foremost, but also from a playing point of view. Yeah. Um, well, obviously, like you said, I'm young myself, so I'm still obviously aspirational. Like, I want to take this thing as far as I can go. But I think more so now than when I was younger and it was I was 100% basketball focused, like I want what did, when I was younger what did I really want basketball to do for me and I think that was to be able to support whatever family I had support myself and you know create opportunities for me and others around me so I think that you have uh, for me anyway I feel like I want to bring bring a sort of balance I want to be in a place where the you know I'm being you know becoming a better basketball player but at the same time there's opportunities for me to you know like I said, all those things. I want to be able to create a life from this. You know, I don't want to just be a good basketball player. I want to be a successful person. Balance-wise, this season, ten points per game, career best, fifty-two percent shooting. What's you know, it, it's a great team in Manchester that you've got. Do you feel now that this is all the product of that learning this year? That you find you've now got a rule, which is an important rule and you're putting it together on a team that's playing really well. Is, is this kind of, are we now seeing the blossoming of, of the full Josh Steele? Uh, I hope not. I hope not, man. I hope, this is, <laughs> I hope this isn't the peak. If this is the peak, I'd be very disappointed. Um, well, I th yeah, thank you. I, I think I'm doing, I think I'm doing all right this year. Um, yeah, and the team's doing great this year. I, I personally think I have another gear or two, which I, you know, I want to be able to reach before the season's over. Um, here again that's the benefit of me being here with lawyer he's a, he's a coach that i feel like i can always go and talk to he's you know he's a, he's a student of the game himself just like me we love watching basketball together so yeah i feel like on the court i know i'm not even just on the court with life man so i feel like in this situation i feel like i'm in a position to yeah hopefully reach those levels that i feel like i'm capable of what are those extra gears and how do you get them how do I get them? I don't know. That's the big question, isn't it? How do we how do we improve every day? That's that's that's, that's the hardest thing. Um, yeah, I, I don't have all the answers, man. That's, I'm just trying to find the answers each day. As long as I get but one percent better a day, I'm I'm, I'm considered that success. What would you rather get more of, points or assists? Points or assists. Um, at this current point, I think I could. Uh, I think with my average, maybe more assists would be nice. I enjoy assists because obviously it makes both people happy. The the old Magic Johnson uh, quote, you know, assist makes two people happy. But um, yeah, I enjoy creating and you know being a facilitator on the floor and you know help helping the team. So I think uh, one of my favorite aspects of the game. I mean, it's been a transformational team this year. From Manchester because you know, you know people always talk about Manchester surprise folk but obviously it's a new team every year it's it's, it's new new personnel and it, mm. it changes but um what's Lloyd's role in all this I mean to give us a player's perspective I mean he came in the end of last year but he had the same personnel now it's his team what's mm. how big a factor is he or where, where does he influence this new Manchester Giants well I think he uh, puts a lot, he actually gives you a lot of freedom. Like 
coaches uh, coaches got a lot of good philosophies, but at the same time, those philosophies allow you to kind of be free and play within play within that structure. Um, so I think he's done a great. They've done, you know, he's done a really good job putting a really good balanced team together. I think uh, we all complement each other. We all bring something different, and in that system where you have that freedom, it's kind of you know be able to go in every day at practice and explore how we can you know be better on offense and on defense. He's just trying to get us to buy in and you know just improve every day defensively because we know like we don't have a problem scoring. Like I said, we're a really really talented group, and um, you know when I feel like when we're clicking on offense, there's you know, we're very tough to guard. So it would just be us buying in on defense every every single every single game that determines our success. Um, I mean, you guys, as, as someone pointed out on Twitter, are the only team left chasing the quadruple last season, which is a pretty good yeah. situation to be in. Um, you went a few weeks ago to, to visit a team that thankfully are not going to be playing for anything, I think, this season in Manchester United. Um, what's that big night out, night out like? Oh, that was wonderful, man. I'm, and the, the the crazy thing is, I'm not even a, a massive football fan. Like, I don't really support anybody. Like, but um, to be able to go to Old Trafford and you know sit in the box and even be on MUTV, I never would have thought that would happen in any sort of universe. So, yeah, no, it was an amazing night. It was good. Uh, we actually went one time before, and Man- and uh, we went to the derby. So them versus Man City. Um, but it was good to go there this time because they they won and it made the experience uh, even better. So um, yeah, no, that was awesome. Who knows if you, if you get the, the cup, maybe they they let you parade it on the pitch at halftime. Yeah, yeah. Who knows, man? Who knows? Who knows? Well, yeah, things are turning out for never know. Um, let's talk about the cup final this weekend. Sunday afternoon, Arena Birmingham, Leicester Riders, big day for for Giants and the kind of rebirth of the club. Um. How are you guys feeling about it? I'm excited because this is my first professional finals. Um, I haven't won since I left Barkin Abbey, so I'm super excited for a final. Um, we're all excited. We're all excited to, uh, you know, put the franchise on the map in a sense that hopefully we can go out there and win some silverware. I think it would. It's not. It's not our ultimate goal for the season, but it's one of the goals. So it's it's a box we're trying to tick for sure. We're all we're all very very excited. I mean, they're obviously they're a great team, the top of the league, and and, and you know, playing as we expect Leicester Riders to, to play. But do you look at the matchups there, particularly in that back court, and say you know it's particularly with you know us, using Dan as as a, as a totem there. But you know in the back court that that matchup there is going to be very important in deciding who comes comes out on top. Yeah, potentially. Um, I think so. I think, like you said, I think Leicester's a very good team. I think they're one of the, another one of the better put together teams in the league this year. Um, but I like our backcourt and I like our frontcourt. I, I, I like our team as much as, you know, as much as anyone else. I think we got just, you know, I think we have a really good chance. Like, um, yeah, we have a good chance this week. Do you, um, do you kind of think of these things, you know, cup finals are big days, whatever, whatever the sport is, you guys will go in as underdogs. Is that mm. actually not the worst place to be in terms of, Hey, there's there's not really too much pressure on Manchester Giants. Yeah, I I think the only pressure that we put on this is the pressure we put on ourselves because I don't think we feel like underdogs. Um, like I said to you before, like yeah, I think like we're underdogs. One, but they're they're, they're the uh, only undefeated team in the league at the moment, and I guess Manchester in the past few seasons. But we don't feel like underdogs. Um, yeah, we're just going to go out there and 
play the game, not the occasion. Live game, of course, live on Sky Sports and be able to watch it on MVP via the website. Um, last thing, I mean, this season, you said about this not being the end of end of the, or, or the whole point of this season. You're sitting very prettily in the league as well at the minute. Has, has Lloyd set you guys any targets? Have you guys set yourselves targets? Have you personally set yourself a target of what this team can achieve this year? I think it's a difficult one because I don't want to say that yes, because I feel like targets are also, they can also be limitations. Um, I think our main focus, again, it seems like I'm avoiding the question a little bit, but, uh, you know, I will, we, we need to get better every day and see where we can end up, if uh, that makes sense. I don't want to look too far ahead. I just want to. I just want to focus on each game and then see where we end up at the end of the season. <laughs> I don't mean to, uh, yeah, avoid the question like that. You just want more YouTube hits. The better you do, the more yeah, YouTube hits you'll get. Well, we look forward to the inside the cup final journey video, which doubtless will appear somewhere over the next while. But um, good luck on Sunday. Good luck for the season, and thanks so much oh, for thank coming and joining us. No, thank you for having me. That's a Josh deal on this edition. And that's it from this one. You might also enjoy our recent shows with Joe Hart and Abby Lowe. Maud Ronjek coming up next week. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the podcast via your preferred provider or you can ask Alexa or Google to play MVP cast. Always great to hear from you as well. If you want to get me, find me on Twitter at Mark Britball. Another edition coming very soon. But for me, Mark Woods, thank you so much for listening. And it's goodbye. <laughs>